This is Glenn Healy. Hi, this is Braden Holpe. This is Daryl Sutter. Hi, this is Brian Burke. This is Jordan Tutu. This is Keith Morrison. This is Kelly Rudy. Hi, this is Scott Hartnell. Hey, everybody. My name is Steel Fleury. This is Tim McAuliffe of Sportsnet, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday, hump day. I hope everybody's having a great week. Um, before we get to today's uh, excellent episode, let's uh, shine a light on the podcast sponsors. Uh, Jim Spenrath and the team over at Three Trees Tap and Kitchen. Uh, I've been highlighting a few of their summer drinks they got on the menu. The Poodle Shake, which uh, sounds a little more like a dessert, and the Lake Life Caesar. And they also just added Thunder Alley Pilsner from Ribstone Creek on tap. I might have to go uh, tap into that. I am sitting drinking a cool Pilsner as I do these uh, currently, but Thunder Alley Pilsner Kind of has a nice ring to it. I don't know about you. Uh, this week's winner of the gift card was Megan Cook. And if you're interested in winning uh, a free meal, follow along on their social media and you can have your chance. And don't be like me. Always call and book a reservation, 780-874-7625. I swear, whatever Jim's doing over there is working. They're always busy. Welcome aboard to a new uh, group Agland has uh, hopped on. I started chatting with them. I appreciate their patience with me while I was away on vacay. Uh, we chatted and they have uh, hopped on board. They say harvest season is here and uh, Agland has a great selection of pre-owned combines with excellent financing. Stop in today and see how they can help you. They're located on Highway 16 and Range Road 14 on the west side of town or give them a call 780-875-4471 and uh, I'm always excited for a new um, advertisement on the podcast. I think it throws a little wrench into if you've been listening for a long time to hear Agland uh, thrown in the middle. Welcome aboard, guys. Mac Construction, they've been doing business locally for 12 years since uh, with over 100 homes completed. Uh, they're a design, build, custom home building operation that is specialized in constructing custom homes, cottages, and RTMs throughout Lloydminster and communities since 08. In addition to custom home building, they also do extensive renovation uh to residence and light commercial work. If you're looking to build your dream house, head to macconstruction.ca and look no further. Yes, I did have to grab a sip. HSI Group, they are the local uh, oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial livestock, and agricultural applications. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Stop in today, 3902 52nd Street, or give Brody or Kim a call at 306-825-6300. 10. Jen Gilbert and the team for over 45 years since 1976. The dedicated realtors of Coldwell Banker Cityside Realty have served Leminster and the surrounding area. They offer star power, providing their clients with seven day a week access because they know big life decisions are not made during office hours. And did you know when it comes to rental properties? They are the biggest licensed residential property management company in the city of Leminster. They deal with over 250 rental units. We are talking houses, apartments, and condos. They know home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give them a call, 780-875-3343. I got to give a shout out to uh, the team over at Read and Write. If you're looking for any outdoor signage, they did up the SMP billboard. They also did the wall quote in the studio, the logo, and uh, the frosted window. That's the team over at Read and Write. Give them a call, 306-825-5111. 
And Gartner Management is a Lloydminster-based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs. Whether you're looking for a small office or a 6,000-square-foot commercial space, give Wade Gartner a call today, 780-808-5025. And by all means, if you're in any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them from the podcast, right? Now, let's get on to that T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. A group of concerned citizens standing up for kids' rights and freedoms, for the kids' sake. I sit with Tara Anderson, Dustin Newman, and Ken Carson. So buckle up. Here we go. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, uh, I'm joined by three individuals. Um, I like to preface the beginning of it that uh, none of us are doctors or anything like that, but I would say concerned citizens is how I'd label it. Uh, they've started for kids' sake, which is, um, well, I'll let them tell you all about it. But I'm joined today by Tara Anderson, my brother Dustin Newman, and Ken Carson. So how about we uh, first go around the, the table, let people know uh, who you are, and uh, anything you want to tell them, Tara, we'll start with you and, and, and go from there. Sure. Okay. So I am from a small town, Paradise Valley, Alberta. Um, I always laugh when I travel. Everyone always asks me, is it really paradise? Yes, it is. <laughs> I love our hometown. I love where we live and our roots. Um, so had a wonderful childhood there and awesome family and then moved away to the big city to go to Edmonton uh, for college. And I went and became a travel agent and worked in that profession for a couple years, a few years. And then married my high school sweetheart, Jason Anderson, and uh, he was also living in Edmonton, working in the oil field. And we decided pretty quickly that big city life was not for us. <laughs> so we moved back to the farm and we started farming on top of our full-time jobs. And a couple years later, we um, decided to start our family. So we have Autumn, who's in Calgary now, and she has joined me in business. Gracie, our middle child, is uh, going to, in, she's in her second year university. And then our youngest, Caden, he is going into grade 11. So it's been fun. They're, it's been an awesome watching them grow up. Um, what, was your, what was your favorite stage of the, the kid? What, what oh kid's gosh. age? I, the reason I ask is I got, uh, you know, five, four, and turning two here very soon. Not yeah. that stage. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and all the old people are like, enjoy it, enjoy it. And after Shay sat and like cried today over, I don't even know what anymore. And Mel just is like, I can't handle it. And walked upstairs. I'm like, but hon, you're supposed to enjoy this stage. Yeah. What's your favorite stage? Oh, I love, I honestly do love all the stages. But if I had to pick one so far, it was, I remember this like it was yesterday, being on a family vacation. And the kids were 10 seven and five so they were like the perfect age to travel right um independent but they not too old that they didn't want to not be around you and so anyway um i remember being on that vacation and several times having a moment of i could freeze time like just that moment so you knew it in the moment yeah i did and but i honestly like from the bottom of my heart love all the stages so because it's fun now having adult children and, you know, being in business with my oldest has been so fun. So, yeah, I enjoy all the stages and highlights for me for sure has been watching them do the things they love growing up. So sports has been a big part of our family. Um, 
you know, horseback riding, piano, and then they went on to teaching piano. So all of that's been really fun and um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And then about 15 years ago, I started a business and uh, with a health and wellness company. And I love it. I love the community, the culture, everything about it, helping people find healthier products and just healthier lifestyle. So that's been that's been a blessing because I've been able to do that alongside having the kids. Um, and yeah, I guess the most important thing to me is my faith. Um, I have a strong faith in God and um, I love you know, being a wife and a mom and living in the country and, and um, anything health and wellness. So that kind of is me in a nutshell. How hard has uh, the last little bit been? Uh, well, not a little bit, I guess. Geez, I say little bit. I mean, think about it. It's been, we're closing in on, what has it been? A year like, and a half. A year and a half, almost, almost more than that. How, how tough has that been on your kids? It's, it's hard. If, if you're a parent and you have children in sport, you know what this has meant to them and how important sports are to them. And so to have that taken away from them, um, it's been huge. I mean, we're, I, I consider us blessed. We live in the country. Our kids can rip around on snowmobiles and dirt bikes and ride their horses and get away from it. But it still impacts you, you know, um, isolation. We're not meant for isolation. Well, Dust, you know, you love to to gloat with the brothers when you come on, but... Um, I think the, if we count it up, Sean, I think I'm your most... No, The, the guest you've had on the most. No. It's either me or Ken Rutherford. Uh, you might be close. Anyways, um, to the to the new listener then who hasn't... Uh, maybe just a little bit about yourself, Dust, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I'm obviously Sean's older brother. Uh, I got two kids that are eight and 10 and that's the best stage. You enjoy every stage. You just enjoy certain stages being over a little bit more than others for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and actually Tara was talking about Paradise Valley and is it paradise? I was always, always a little bit more, uh, I like Paradise Hill a little bit better than Paradise Valley, but, uh, <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> that's because I was born in Helmont and that was close by. Um, I run, uh, an oil company in Lloydminster, Alberta. And uh, I'm an engineer who consults a little bit as well. And then two kids and a wife who's a vet. Uh, so our life is very busy. Uh, Tara was talking about sports. Uh, my son, Owen, uh, I'm a big hockey player being a Newman brother. And what's funny about my, my uh, son, Owen, for the first few years, he was kind of so-so on hockey. He'd go, but it wasn't, you know, you can tell he just wasn't that into it. And what's funny about COVID is uh, about halfway through this last year when there was no hockey, and one day he comes up to me, he's like, Dad, I really miss hockey. And I was like, oh, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Um, so even, you know, even for a kid who's less into sports than maybe some of the others, I think the interaction and the exercise and the skill development and, and just having social functions is, is huge. And that really hurt, uh, well, not only Owen, but all the kids for sure. So, Well, me and you can attest in the worst, the darkest month, I mean... For everyone who's listening to this, everybody had their dark times during the last year and a half, right? And I say that because, you know, in the in the next couple of weeks here in Alberta specifically, we're supposed to open everything, right? Like everything's supposed to be, it's and we're coming, it's supposed to be done, right? Yeah. And so if you go back to us to probably, I want to say April, me and you started having these phone chats. I even recorded one. One of yeah. them's up on YouTube. I should have went and listened to it before we came back on here. 
but the social interaction is what was killing me. I'm, you know, I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people, meeting people, talking about things. That's how my brain functions. I need to talk through things over and over and over again. And even then, sometimes I don't come to a conclusion. Um, but it's very healthy for my brain to get what's on the inside out. You need to talk. That's right. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Des. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> But you talk about social interactions, and we were doing that, and this, you know, um, one of the lovely things about technology, we've started to see, you know, I had my first episode taken off YouTube, which is an odd feeling, to say the least. But we started to see uh, the ability of the last year to have the, the opportunity to interact with people through technology is one of the blessings it was, right? Like the blessing of technology was that we could talk to people, we could FaceTime, we could see them. But now we're starting to see the big tech companies start to stifle that. I mean, free well, speech is an odd thing right now. Like, Well, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what, FaceTiming and Zoom and all those things are good. But there's nothing like being in the same room as someone. And what's funny, you were talking about being an extrovert and really needed that, needing that people stimulation, essentially. Me as an introvert, I actually found that I, you know, I, I like being by myself. I spend most of the time by myself. But at the same time you still need human interaction. And that's what was lacking sometimes for sure last year and a half. Sorry, Ken, I'm leaving you to the, to the end. Uh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, hop on in. <clears throat> so yeah, so I, uh, I come from a very small town in southeast Saskatchewan. Uh, grew up, uh, we farmed, we had grain. Whoa, and whoa, whoa. What was a small town? Whitewood. Whitewood. Yeah. Anybody in here know where that's from or where that is? Whitewood? Where's it close to? Mooseman, Kipling. Oh, okay. Okay. I flew into Mooseman one time in an airplane. Flew into Mooseman. Okay. <laughs> True story. I was doing a potash job at the uh, Rokenville mine. Yeah. And Bill Kosh and I, shout out to Bill Kosh. Uh, he's like, what? instead of driving down, why don't we just see if we can get an airplane and fly down there? So that's what we did. We flew into Mooseman and then drove up to Rokenville from there. You're the first person <laughs> I know that flew into Mooseman. <laughs> that's why you got to bring up every small Saskatchewan town because, I mean, they're all small. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, apologies. No worries. And uh, so, yeah, so I grew, uh, we farmed uh, grain and cattle operation, and we also had a, a road construction business that we operated. So we were, uh, we were busy. And uh, grew up with two brothers and a sister. And uh, 26 years ago, my wife Dorothy and I moved to Lloydminster and made it our home uh, with, our, with our three kids. And our three kids now are pretty much well into their adult years. My son Jason uh, is in Lloydminster. And uh, he's a master electrician and, and has an elect uh, electrician's business in, in town. Uh, my daughter Kirsten is a doctor of acupuncture and is in Calgary. And uh, my daughter, Katie, is a mechanical engineer and lives in Fernie. And I have three grandkids that are getting into well into their teenage years. And uh, that's what we enjoy. I mean, that's our life it is watching our grandkids participate in activities and sports and you talk about what's the favorite stage of your kid's life our favorite stage of our kid's life is their grandkids <laughs> well i was gonna I was, I was i was i was actually i was actually gonna ask because that's been one of the themes on the archive episodes is that uh there's a club and it's grand the club is being a grandparent and you can't understand it until you're in it and so i've heard this sentence 
that you love your grandkids more than your kids. Is that possible? You're not supposed to say that with your <laughs> with your with your outside voice. <laughs> but you but enjoy it. Is it. Possible. You do enjoy it. We love it, it and uh, you know I was just at. Uh, uh, at some of the ball games of the, of the grandkids and and just thoroughly enjoy it and that's you know our lives as far as my wife Dorothy who's the executive director of the Lloyd Construction Association and myself I run a consulting business in the, in the oil industry our immediate lives actually weren't affected uh, too severely uh, by COVID we still worked we still did our things but. Our grandkids were affected, and our lives in going to watch our grandkids play sports and, and do what they do was just gone, and that was tough. Well, maybe then we'll, we'll, we'll flip back to Tara, and by all means, if anyone wants to hop in at any point in time, uh, it's a roundtable, so feel free to, to jump in and, and talk, and it, let's see where the conversation may go. But I think for a lot of people... Um, if they've heard of For Kids Sake, or maybe they haven't, um, let's start with how it started. How did For Kids Sake get, you know, the wheels slowly turning? Sure. Yeah, no. Um, have you read the book On Fire by John O'Leary? I don't think I have. No, it's honestly every human needs to read this book. It is so good. And I've heard John speak, actually. Would you mandate that? <laughs> I'm not mandating anything. <laughs> uh, it is it is amazing. It's um it's a true story. It's his story. Um as a 9-year-old boy uh being burned actually on 100% of his body. And he was given less than a 1% chance of living. And he talks in this book of inflection points. And so an inflection point is pinpointed moment in time, a pinpointed moment in time that changes everything that follows. Okay. And when I was kind of reflecting back on like how the steps I took to getting to know you guys and being a part of this, um, there's kind of three points that stand out to me. And one was, it wasn't even really a big deal, but I was sitting in my office and um, I just remember thinking like this was last fall when... You know, restrictions were getting tighter, masks were going on our kids in school, sports were being shut down, kind of that ripple effect of everything just kind of closing in. And I remember thinking to myself, I have to do something. I'm a doer. I just need to, you know, take action and do something. And so I just remember thinking, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to do something. I don't know what that looks like. Um, but I had that feeling of, you know, our, our generation's grandparents went to war for us so we could have freedom. And I was, I just can't watch that be taken away. So, um, I mean, I'd been using my voice for sure and trying to have meaningful conversations and using it on social platforms and speaking up. But um, with the nudge of a friend, I started a Facebook group, um, a friend, Rachel. And um, so we started that group and learned very quickly that there is a lot of people that felt the same way because it was just growing fast. And so the group is called Stand for Freedom and Truth. And um, we just use that as a place to share information. And because, you know, we'd been, you know, texting information to friends and I thought, let's bring everyone together. So we had a kind of a gathering point. So we use that that platform to basically share information, get petitions out, um, ideas for, you know, how to contact your political leaders and that's kind of where that has 
um, evolved. And then the second um, kind of inflection point for me, you guys, I'm sure all know this story um, around Christmas time with Ocean. Um, I'm going to butcher his last name. Weisblatt. Yeah, Weisblatt. Playing pond hockey in Calgary on an outdoor rink and being arrested. And I remember like that story just, it just hit me. And I probably cried on and off for two days after that story. And I just kept thinking, this could be my kid. Like, this could be my son out there. And I mean, these kids, like we've talked about, have had everything stripped from them that's important to them. I mean, sports are more important to my son than my than school is, right? Like, let's be real. And so things had been stripped from our kids. Um, and here this kid is out at Christmas try- time trying to play hockey with some of his buddies, being healthy, not sitting and playing video games. And he gets arrested. And some might argue, oh, he was being obnoxious. Well, he was asking why he was being arrested. Regardless, he was playing hockey. <laughs> on a pond with his buddies outside outside yes me and me and ken rutherford have had this argument an awful lot because i was the guy who went oh, why don't he just take his skates off i'm sure they asked him very nicely and ken looked at me and we've had the argument and it's taken me a long time i actually talked to ocean on the phone oh, okay i was trying to get him to come on the podcast because <clears throat> i thought it'd be really good for me to hear him talk about mm-hmm. it and be like oh right like that's every kid at mm-hmm. that age every kid's not every kid. For for a bunch of athletes, that's the most important time in your life is yeah. when you're 18, it, it goes, 17, 16. It goes back to we should be, from the start, we should have been encouraging people to go outside, to socialize outside, to, to do sports outside, physical activity. And instead, we were hassling, you know, in certain parts of this country, we were hassling people who were doing those very things, which to me is completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I was thinking too okay here he is playing hockey with a few buddies getting fresh air being healthy meanwhile someone else could be down the park sitting on a bench smoking pot and they're totally legal you know like how how did I just thought how do we get here how did we land in this and it was it's something that I just even thinking about it again gets me gets me shaky because I just I we have to do better for our kids so that was a real inflection point for me. And then the third one was um, hearing some children's stats. And this, you know, you hear some stats and they go in and out. And it's, you know, you, whatever, you forget about it. Um, this one I couldn't. And so it was learning that in 2019, the Kids Helpline in Canada had um, 1.9 million calls. And that number grew to over 4 million in 2020. And I read in an article that 10 of the calls per day were also um, suicide calls that involved police. And I thought, okay, um, a decline in mental health is killing our kids. And I'm just not okay with that. COVID wasn't killing our kids. Um, the tyrannical measures put in place by our political leaders was. And I thought, I have to do something for our children. Um, we have to be a voice for them because they don't get one. They're told to put up, shut up, and follow the rules. And... You know what I found funny about that whole thing? Talking about mental health is we've been having this conversation in society about mental health for what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and opening up the conversation. Opening up on the conversation. Talk yeah. about mental health. But the things that actually help your mental health, whether it's socializing, mm-hmm. whether it's exercise, whether it is eating the right food, eating, and, eating the right mm-hmm. food, uh, even going to a place of worship and worshiping, you know, yeah. a higher power. 
uh, looking for beauty, you know, those kind mm -hmm. of things. We took all of that away. 100%. Yeah, and health was never talked about, you know, on mainstream media. It, it was a media. singular focus. There was yeah. no, like, we put so much discussion into mental health in the last 10 years, and then in one foul swoop, we got rid of a whole bunch of things that was so important to everyone's mental health, mm -hmm. and especially kids because they don't, you know, like, there's... I tell you what, there's some horrible situations out there where kids are in broken homes or mm -hmm. single parents who have to work or whatever it is. And yeah. they don't have their outlets that they normally have, which is usually sports or socializing. They have none of those. Mm -hmm. And they can become absolutely trapped. It's true. And a lot of people say, oh, kids are resilient. I think it's just kids' mental health is the easiest thing to ignore. Yeah. Right? Like well, they can't they can't talk about it as well because they no. don't have they don't the have tools. as that's right. They don't yeah. have as much experience talking about it. Mm -hmm. They don't. And the coping mechanism, the to know how to deal with what they're feeling or what they're going through, right? Yes. So, and the know-how to reach out. You know, so learning those statistics, I thought, "Oh my gosh, we need to do better for our kids. This isn't okay." And so um, with these in mind, I'd, I actually was listening to Ken Rutherford and Tanner Applegate do a pot, their podcast yeah. and War on weakness. Yes. Yeah. And, um, they were talking about the driving rallies that we were having in town and, um, you know, just to kind of take a stand. Right. And, and, uh, I had participated in a couple and I remember them talking about them and, you know, they were organized because we don't know what else to do. Right. Like, what do we do? And that was one of the things that was being done. And, and uh, it was good for building inner strength and realizing that there's other people out there that feel the same way, right? Um, but at the end of the day, they had posed this question, like, what are we accomplishing, right? And I just kept thinking that same thing, too. Every time I was in one of those driving rallies, I thought, we need to bring these people in a room together. We need these brilliant thinkers to come together. And so um, I just, I, and he said on that podcast, too, he said, um, chances are if there's people organizing this, there's other people locally that are doing something too, right? And I just reached out and said, look, we've got a group too that feels the same way. Like, what can we do? And we just started chatting. And um, and then, you know, he, um, he knew a lot of like-minded people, all of you in this room that felt the same way as well. So we started, this is kind of how it, it began, is we started meeting once a week. Um, Ken kind of brought everyone together. We were meeting weekly. There's, I think, nine of us. And um, we just came up with a list of um, our purpose, kind of what do we want to accomplish and our objectives. So, And we could talk about the, the purpose and object. Uh, the purpose, I think, would be lovely. Uh, to summarize um, the journey, it's funny when I listen to you, I remember those meetings and I remember thinking, I still don't know what the heck we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. But it felt good to be trying to do something because mm -hmm. even like I said to Roger Hodkinson on the last podcast I had uh, was like, so what are we supposed to, like, what can we do? Like, what, and nobody, nobody has the answer, right? Mm -hmm. But by getting together, having people put together, talking about things, A, it's healthy for you, mm -hmm. but two, it's good to hear and start to spitball some ideas back and forth. Well, we could do that. Oh, we, oh, that's not a bad idea. Okay, we could try that. Mm -hmm. And you see uh, some of the 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 i don't know i'm gonna steal dustin's word from before i don't know if beauty's the right word but it's been really cool to get groups of people together you know kid scotty's become the focal point the last couple meetings of having over 100 people 175 i believe at the last one i wasn't there but 175 at the last one together listening to somebody who's trying to inform them with information that can help 
alleviate some stress of like I'm the only one and we've talked about that a lot. I know a lot of us in this, all of us in this room have had the people reach out and go like, geez, I didn't realize there was more people like me. And if we all just started talking again, you'd realize like, holy crap, there's a lot of us that just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, Purpose, Ken, I know you got to sit in there handy. Why don't you read it off for the listener just to kind of get a feel of, for the kid's sake, what the, well, what the purpose is. So for me, I'll just kind of, expand a bit on Tara sure. for me too it was also uh through Ken Rutherford he was kind of the nucleus that brought us t- this this group together I know Ken through uh he <clears throat> first time I got to know him was because he was coaching my granddaughter through hockey uh, something that was taken away for a long time and we got communicating kind of at the same time that Dustin and Ken were communicating Tara and, and Ken were communicating and uh yeah, we just we just we just all knew that we had to do something. And we still don't have all the answers. And that's why we 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 want to create this community of people so that we can try and figure things out and uh, support each other and build this network. So, it was important for me <clears throat> when I got involved that that you know, we kind of thought that we had a lot of fragmented groups. We needed to try and bring uh, people together in a common voice. It was important to me that, you know, we created a purpose, a, a proper purpose. We created object objectives and we cr- legitimized the group and created a, a legitimate group. So I know that there's different people are not all in the same place on the scale of what they think is happening or where they think things are going or all that. So we kind of wanted to create some middle ground where everybody would feel comfortable being involved and we can all have our different opinions as to exactly what's going on and where everything but we're still all like-minded and we have a common goal which is Mm -hmm. to be a voice for freedoms and for children so um just to go through our purpose it, it is to be a strong and legitimate voice for children and communities to create a group and not just a group but we've said we really need to create a community of like-minded people that will create goals to push back against government decisions and policies and the decisions of autonomous institutions and people who are taking away rights and and mandating things uh, for the kids sake supports choice and upholding of our constitutional rights and freedoms for the kids sake does not condone or promote violence and for the kids' sake, is not partisan, but we will engage with those who support our objectives. So I just want to expand that technically we're not a group that's against anybody. We aren't a group trying to take any rights or freedoms away from anybody or force anybody to do anything. Uh, we are simply pro-choice. We are pro-fully informed, uncensored, an uncoerced choice and that's uh you know that's uh it in a nutshell well you know after so essentially you know once again i'll, I'll try you hear the purpose you've heard uh, everybody's a little bit of their backstory um for now the past eight months christmas time nine months roughly somewhere in there a group of people slowly started getting together it slowly bloomed into um, renting uh, different halls, getting speakers in to come talk about things, 
that weren't uh, being censored or, uh, you know, like held to a certain uh, narrative. Essentially just opening up the conversation and that has continued to grow. And now you've had, you know, uh, that's how we get the Andrew Liebenberg. That's how Roger Hodkinson ends up in town. You got a lawyer coming the end of the month. And we'll talk about that uh, towards the end of the podcast if people are interested in how they get um, where that's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but why, you know, and I, I feel like uh, as we talked about the kids and everything else, uh, it, it pretty be, for the listener, at least for myself, it becomes pretty evident why it's important for everybody. But why um, was, you know, because right now you could argue, well, things are opening up, guys. Like, why is this important? Why is it important? And maybe I'll start with Dustin. Um, why is it important? Yeah, well, Tara talked about a lot of the moments in her, you know, inflection points and one of the ones that really hit me hard was essentially uh, vaccine passports. And not, you know, to go to a certain country, you need a vaccine to get in. That's one thing. But when you start mandating that vaccines need to be had to do normal stuff in a society, that scares the crap out of me. And so you say, well, everything's opening up, but there's still lots of businesses, lots of institutions that are trying to push push lots of, of work sites where you need to be vaccinated to work here. And to me, that is so wrong on so many levels. And, and that's, that's why I continue to push is because I still look around the world and in Canada and, and Tara can talk about some of the, you know, university stuff that's going on. Ken can talk about some of the, the workplaces that are trying to mandate vaccines and we're not against vaccines, but there has to be choice. You can't just say everyone has to get this. Um, that's not how a free society works. Well, and I agree. Like, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on with that, whether you're for it or against it. What should terrify people is potentially the government being able to decide what we are doing with our health and making these decisions. That, to me, it's the freedom of choice that we're protecting, that we're standing up and protecting. Well, and even institutions and businesses, mm -hmm. like you're talking about health information. Um, and to me, government, that scares the crap out of me, especially government trying to make those decisions for you. But even businesses, I look at it and I go, okay, like at some of our meetings we've had, one guy stand up and, and talk about trying to get an antibody test. And it's very difficult to get one at this point, but you know, to show that you have natural immunity, for example. And, you know, to say that you need a vaccine passport, well, well hold on a minute here. If someone's already had COVID, why would they need the vaccine? Mm -hmm. If someone's young enough who doesn't get sick and die from this, why would you mandate that they get the vaccine? Well, I just came across the border, right? Yeah. And we're going across. Yeah, no, not a big deal. We, um, If you're five and older, don't know how they pick five. I have no idea. Maybe they thought that was the age where they could actually administer a, a COVID test, which is impossible to do on a five-year-old. But <laughs> let's just leave it there. But at five, so Shade just turned five, so now he's eligible for COVID test. So he had to get a COVID test to come back. So I'm sitting there talking to the border official, right? And uh, Mel's been, uh, has both of her shots. Now I'm unvaccinated. So y you kind of get a feel for, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. And... I say to him, well, I mean, the kid's got to isolate anyways. And he's like, well, actually, no, like your two youngest, the four-year-old and the one-year-old, they don't have to isolate. And I'm like, well, how does that make any sense, right? Like, are we trying to stop the spread? I mean, we all know it's not, well, I think it's pretty knowledge or well-known by now. The kids under, what, 20 are pretty much not affected by this. I'm not saying they don't get sick. 
I'm saying the lethal effects of this are non-existent. And maybe they're going to try and prove that on the new variants that are all coming every single day that it is going to affect them. But at the same time, I'm like, so we have these like oddball rules just set up in, in place uh, that really don't make any sense. And why they picked a certain age, I mean, they had to draw a line somewhere, I guess. But that that just literally happened, you know, in the short-term memory. Like that just happened. And, well, well, and to me, the businesses and the institutions that are saying you have to have a vaccine to come here, it's like, well, hold on a minute here. If anything bad happens, are you going to be the ones taking responsibility? Like, who takes the liability from that? Because the vaccine manufacturers aren't. And you go, well, no, the vaccines are safe. But there's nothing ever that's completely 100% safe. There's always side effects. There's always problems that happen. So who's actually... So if you're forcing me to get this, if something goes wrong... Are you going to be the one that's having to deal with Putting the, cons- the yeah. consequences of it? And of course, they're going to say no. But that's that's why you have choice, because different people have different personal risks. And the younger the kid, the less risk they have from this, which goes back to, OK, yeah. if they don't have much risk, do you get the vaccine or not? That's the that's the heart of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And to protect the, that freedom of right to choose. Yes. It's our health. I mean, it's right on the CDC website, the World Health Organization. Once you get the vaccine, you can still get the virus and you can still spread the virus. So the reason to get it would be if you think it's going to protect you, right? And so... Well, we've had doctors on that talk about that. Yes. When you're administering anything to a patient, it always comes back to the patient. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. about anyone else. Mm -hmm. You talk to the patient and the patient has to benefit from it. Otherwise, you don't give them it, Mm -hmm. essentially. They refer to you are to be doctoring the patient in front of you. That is the most important person Mm -hmm. right there. And you talk about, you know, we're kind of getting into doctors and the suppression of them being able to to doctor and and uh, but you talked about natural immunity and we all have kids and I have grandkids and you know the the old joke where all your kids eating dirt don't worry <laughs> don't worry that'll he'll be healthy and it you know it sounds like a joke but it's true it's, it's, true. it's how our immune system works that is exactly how our immune our immune system does not work if we don't experience if we live in a bubble yeah if we live in a bubble exactly so i mean the the covid SARS 2 virus is 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 28 different proteins Mm -hmm. now if you get natural immunity and you get a broad-based immunity because you've experienced it naturally and you've experienced a broad amount of those proteins you're going to have the best immunity and versus having a vaccine that gives you one protein that they selected Mm -hmm. and that's what your body's going to experience but i guess the the biggest concern is why the suppression of your immune system why do they want to suppress that that your immune system like it's like they they don't want anybody to think their immune system works anymore well, to me, that, uh, you know, you're talking about suppression of the immune system, but I just look at suppression of the doctors and information. That was the other mm-hmm. thing that really scared me was, you know, you start hearing about doctors that are speaking out and losing their jobs. That to me is a very scary thing. And it's not like, you know, 
what they're saying, like Dr. Francis Christian uh, yeah, in, Saskatoon. in Saskatoon, all mm-hmm. he said was, we really probably shouldn't be giving this to kids because they don't get sick from COVID. And he lost his job for it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to me, that is beyond scary. Well, or, or uh, the doctor in BC, and I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, Charles Hoff. Thank you. He, he just raised concerns about the vaccine and loses his well, job. And then was, what he, what, he didn't even raise concerns about the vaccine. What he raised concerns about was he administered it to a bunch of people and he started to see side effects. And he started to raise those side effects and he lost his job for raising the concerns. And that is beyond scary as well. Well, and then you go boom, uh, bridal, right? Yeah. He's the one who sees that it doesn't, uh, you know, and I'm going to butcher this. By no means am I a medical what? expert, but the any flu or any vaccine shot is supposed to stay in your arm, and he showed that it migrated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it travels it concentrated the in the heart and the ovaries. Right. And even if there's a tiny, tiny and chance, he, and he got. And he got lambasted for yes. that, right? Yes. Name smeared. It, and so I guess that's that's one of the things that uh, I find encouraging about the group is it, it's trying to open back up the discussion, the dialogue mm-hmm. of bringing in uh, knowledgeable people to our community to, to help um, bring on some discussion, bring like-minded people into a room. And let them know they're not alone. I think that's been one of the best you, things. You that's know what's happened. funny is you say like-minded people, but actually, what happens when you come into the group is that there's a lot of different opinions about what's going on and what's causing it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You don't get shouted down or attacked just for having a different thought. Yeah, you're right. Which definitely. is what yeah. normal con- by like-minded you mean people that are open to having the discussion. That, that's exactly what I mean. But yeah. but it's not that everybody has the same opinion or same idea what's going on. I, I don't know a lot of what's going on. I just look at some of the things that scare me and I go, okay, we need to stand up and actually push back against this. We're concerned. We're concerned people. And I think the other thing to note about our group too is when you come and you see who's, you know, who's involved and start to talk to people, they're good people. They're smart people. They're rational. This is not a group of crazy people. It is just concerned citizens, citizens, hundred percent. Well, and, and we talked early on, sorry, Ken, did you no, go ahead. Uh, we talked early on, you know, like they're not going to mandate the vaccine. That's, you know, I, I look around at you uh, um, three. You've sat in meetings. I've got to be part of a, a couple of them, I think, with uh, our MLAs. And uh, to hear what they're talking about, like some really interesting things have come out of this group, right? Because mm-hmm. now you have some uh, object- objectionable, am I saying that right? Action items? Jeez, am I saying that right? Yeah. I don't know. You're all laughing at me. Whatever. Anyways, having having some targets, some goals to move forward on has allowed you guys to get in rooms with the MLAs of our area, sit and talk to them, uh, hear some of their feedback, and go, oh, well, they're never going to make you get a vaccine. Well, what have we started to see, right? We've, we've already, one of the interesting things about sitting on the inside of the group is you get to see firsthand people come to with problems, and it's giant corporations saying... Or, you know, I'm looking at Tara now with with the university sports, U Sports, saying the only way you can play on a team or the only way you can be on campus is by getting both vaccination shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not every campus. Um, what's popping up is we saw at Easter time, the faculty at um, the University of Saskatchewan, where our daughter attends, they had passed a motion that they wanted the students vaccinated but come September. It wasn't mandated, but the motion was passed so it got me like it, it's in the back of my mind now right like I need to prepare for this prepare for impact right so um I've been working with a lawyer actually and um he is coming to speak at our next meeting August 21st um 
so we've been working with him to try and um, get masks off children in school. And um, obviously now that's, you know, we're working on that for should they mandate it again. So, because of course it's lifted right now. Um, but what they have said now at the university um, is that they're not going to, for our daughter, I'm just going to share her story. And maybe, you know, I share her story because maybe there's someone listening that, you know, knows someone or has a child or is a student that needs, you know, wants to reach out. But basically, um, they haven't made it mandatory for her athletic group. However, they've said, they've given us a heads up and said, if you want to travel with the team, um, there are provinces, um, like Westerns are going to be taking place in Manitoba. So in order to travel into Manitoba for Westerns, and you can't go to nationals unless you go to Westerns, obviously. So if you want to compete there, you either need, you have a choice. You can either... um, quarantine for 14 days upon arrival in Manitoba or be fully vaccinated. So we have a little bit of time with this and we're working on it right now um, to build her case for this. Um, But in the last week, since I shared that at our last meeting, I've had several parents and a student reach out to me and like two more today. Like it's just, it's crazy to me because there's these teams it's now teams coming and saying, my coach is saying, I don't have a spot on the team unless I'm vaccinated. The athletic director is saying, um, you have to be fully vaccinated in, to, in order to play. So it's backing these kids in a corner. And so, you know, yes, we can fight that on an individual basis. These kids could could uh, fight it individually. But our brain as a group went to, there's power in numbers, right? And so... I did approach our lawyer about that and he said that, you know, he was asking, could you get a couple, you know, a few per team? And I said, I don't know if there's a few that would stand up, you know, but maybe collectively across Canada, we could get many from different teams that would be willing to come together. Right. And so we don't, I'm literally, you guys working on this right now. I don't know what the answers are. Um, You know, our, our mind is going, can we approach U sport? you know, the governing body for all of the athletic programs in universities and say, look, we have X number of kids that are not taking this, you know, and power in numbers that way. So that's where we're at right now. We don't have the answers, but, you know, yes, you can fight it individually, but... The the danger of that, Mm -hmm. and we were talking a little bit this before we started, was Mm -hmm. as soon as you allow people to mandate something like a vaccine... Or as soon as one person does it, there's going to be multiple groups that do that. Mm-hmm. And and it really becomes where does it end? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. There, there's no end in sight to it. And the other scary thing about that with kids is because kids' sports are so important. Mm-hmm. Like some of these university kids that are going to, going to university have spent their whole lives perfecting skills to go play high-level sports. And then you say, well, actually, you can't play unless you get the vaccine. And you go, well, why wouldn't you just get it? Well, hold on a minute here. Is mm-hmm. it a personal choice or not? Mm-hmm. Are kids, the ones that are ending up in the hospital sick and dying, all the people who have had the chance to get the vaccine have had it. Mm-hmm. So at what point do we, you know, that's where governments almost have to step in and say, no, you guys cannot mm-hmm. do this. The problem is, is that lots of governments aren't saying that at all. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we talked to the <clears throat> to Colleen and, and the MLAs and 
you know, there was a lot of different things that were discussed and, and she talked about, um, there's things that are, is out of her control. There's, there's federal politics that come into play. There's autonomous bodies that, that well, make it difficult for her to, uh, for them to, to, to make things, make things happen. But what I've tried to get across and that I think in our last meeting she understood was that the government did create a specific narrative that just was put out there over and over and over for for the past 18 months and it is very disturbing the the what's been creative with that narrative and that they need to be part of delivering a new narrative that has to bring things back into check so that businesses realize and these institutions start to realize that they can't do what they're doing. And I, for me personally, you know, coming into this, I mean, it's, it's definitely about the kids and we're talking about how kids are being coerced and, 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 and mandating. And it's, it's very disturbing to me to see, to see this, what I, the only way I can explain it is, is the bullying of children by adults over the past 18 months. And it just seemed too easy. They're easy to, they don't fight back. And uh, so, so and, and literally to the point where they are being ostracized. And, you know, a group of children that are clearly not vulnerable to well, COVID. And even Dina Henshaw herself said, and I quote, schools have never been a driver in the spread of COVID, unquote. But adults, for the sake of themselves or the sake of other adults everywhere have deemed this bullying acceptable. This is a level, in my opinion, of selfishness that I've never seen in my entire lifetime. And uh, the, the taking away of their school, their sports, their social network, the forced masking, the vaccine coercion, the vaccine shaming. And the vaccine for, for a child is pretty much all risk and no reward because they are not at risk. And, you know, I listened to a school board meeting today. I saw it on the news, a clip of it. And one of the members, you know, sat there at that meeting and accused children of murder who weren't wearing masks. Now, in what world is an adult psychologically abusing a child now acceptable? That is, that is, that is, psychological abuse of children to accuse them of murder for not wearing a mask. And I can't believe that as many adults as there is that have bought into that narrative of social opprobrium, which is public shaming. And we're supposed to be their protectors, not their persecutors. And I will, you know, I got involved because, you, you know, I was connecting the dots. You saw what was going on. I don't know that I had an epiphany but you, you're connecting the dots and you see what's going on. And I vowed to be a voice for them. I'll be their protector. I will stand up for them. And I'll gladly submit myself to the chastising and the persecution if it means that children in the future won't have to suffer that treatment again. I don't think I could live with myself if my grandkids five, 10 years down the road don't have all their liberties and their freedoms and they're still suffering this type of oppression and you know they looked at me and said 
Grandpa, why didn't you do anything? And yeah, I don't have all the answers, but I got to do something. And you know, one of the most powerful things about the Streamstown meeting, the Streamstown meeting really, you know, before that, it was just a kind of a, I don't know, I don't even know what to put it, throwing things against the wall and seeing what stuck was pretty <laughs> much all that was happening, but it was good, right? And then we met in Streamstown, and one of the things I took out of that meeting was, Ken, exactly what you'd said, right? You talked about being a young kid, and I, I'm paraphrasing here, you know the story obviously better than I do. Um, right here, <laughs> But sitting around with, I believe it was your dad and his friends, and them complaining about the government. And then years later, they had done nothing about it. And basically, you said you didn't want to be in the same situation when your grandkids were older. Now, I butchered it maybe a little bit. But that was, to me, was a very powerful story as I sat there and listened because we all walked into that meeting in Streamstown. I remember very clearly, everyone going, like, everybody's so nervous. Like, what are we actually doing? Like, I don't know. Just we're, we're, we're trying to figure that out, and we have to continue to move forward um, to try and get there because we just stop here and go, I don't know. Nothing changes. Yeah, I, I, you know, my parents were been hurt. Their friends were complaining about things that were going on back in the seventies and Western alienation and all those things. And you know, I, I called them out and I said, "Well, what are you guys doing about it?" Well, they're all businessmen and they're business people and they had farms and they had businesses to run and you know, all the same questions came up. You know, what can we do? Uh, how are we going to get it started? How can you know? I don't have time. I'm busy. So I mean, I'm not condemning any of them for not being able to get anything going but that moment has resonated with me my entire life and like you said Terry you're a doer and that that moment sticks with me and I think that's why I'm a doer I can't be a hypocrite I called them out if I sat back and didn't do then I would be living a, a life as a hypocrite and, I, and I can't I can't be a hypocrite. I have to do well, something. And we have a choice. Our choice is we can either fast forward five or ten years and say, you know, I wish I had. I wish I'd done something. Or we can look back and say, I'm glad I did. And regardless of how things turn out, if I've put my whole heart into being a voice for these kids and like you said, taking taking the brunt of it, right? Like we're putting ourselves out there. We are. But I'm willing to do that. And yeah. Well, I think I think uh, slowly people are finding their voices. Uh, mm -hmm. I just look around this room and we're, we've slowly been finding our voices, haven't we? Mm -hmm. And the more people that do that, the better off society is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I fully realized that until, you know, it was a year in. And when people are all talking about it behind closed doors, right? People will listen to Dr. Roger Hodkinson and shoot you a text and say, man, that was amazing. But they won't say that publicly. They certainly won't go on air with somebody and, and put themselves into that type of uh, um, light. And the longer this goes on, the more people that are starting to find their voices. Now we're open. And I can always come back to, you know, this was asked back at Streamstown. Jeez, that was a long time ago. Like, what are we actually doing this for? Well, here we sit. And I remember thinking that night, I, and I might even said it on stage, was, you know, like, I think we're preparing for the fall. Well, a lot of isn't it funny how every day things just seem to just be flip flop and changing, jumping over here, jumping over there, and these problems aren't going away. Like it just it feels like you know um, I, I'm looking at dust now because I just think of of all the stuff going on in Israel. You know I bring up Israel an awful lot because they are what the he most heavily vaccinated country 
in the world right now, and they're having their issues. No, that's right. Uh, the U.S. just put out a report saying you shouldn't travel to Israel because of the problems they're having. But you, they were the first country to get the most vaccinated. Aren't they and like so, two, three months ahead of us? Probably? Yeah, should, should be two, three months ahead of us. And you go, well, what does that look like coming here? And and you go, well, <laughs> the problem is, is that, you know, we get stuck in our own little bubble and you just need to look out a little bit because whatever's happening in the rest of the world is eventually going to come here. Um, we're heading down the same path at a certain point, you know, and the fall is is the time that everything happens here anyhow. That's when the flu season hits. Um and there's going to be problems with COVID, that's when it's going to happen here again, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I I, still don't know everything this group is going to do or, or where we're headed, but all you can do is keep meeting, talking amongst each other, talking with other people, bring in speakers to try and educate yourself better. Um, obviously, everyone knows what the narrative is or where, where the mainstream is, and... And so you try and find sources outside of that to try and get a better perspective on what's going on and what your choices actually are. Well, and I don't think we necessarily have to know. No. You know, we just need to take another step and take another step. And it seems like every step leads to, okay, this conversation, we met Dr. Andrew, right? Like another one was Dr. Roger Hawkinson and just the wheels in motion and just continuing to collaborate, I think you know, we have to be in a room together thinking and brainstorming and that's what we've been and, doing. And for people who <clears throat> maybe are thinking or coming, coming and concerned, well, what are these meetings like? And I mean, they're pretty basic. They're, they're not mm-hmm. six shooters, you know, pistols <laughs> shooting through the roof. That and, sounds actually like and, a lot of fun, Ken. Yeah, yeah, we she could do that. One meeting just for <laughs> shits and giggles, I guess. And, but it's not. I mean, no. we're they're professionally conducted, and it's just, and it's a lot of people getting together. Even if we, like you said, if it's mm-hmm. just a small step, we make it a meeting, or we mm-hmm. determine some things, or or maybe identify some actions that we could just could have look some into. conversations. For so many people that come for the first time, uh, they've been so happy they came, mm-hmm. and they've told us that they 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 felt like they were they were on an island. They, you know, they had the same concerns we did, but who do you talk to? Mm-hmm. You're scared to talk to somebody because are you going to get chastised? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get, you know, so to come to that meeting and be amongst people that are like-minded yes. and just have discussion and, and, uh, to be together, to be in community. And that's yeah. community is a big part of this. Um, you know, I think we're building this community for two reasons. One, number one, to brainstorm and bring people together and, collaborate on ways we can take action steps and do the things right but number two you know should things go sideways we need a community of like-minded people that are going to you know support one another yeah support each other is huge mm-hmm. you know we just lived through a full year of of you know honestly being on an island right where it was just that was uh right at the very beginning right like it was it was the and that was a it was a long year, and part of that is you know people are trying to figure things out, governments are trying to think, figure things out. But here we sit, a year and a half into this thing, and it doesn't feel like it's slowing down. It feels like it's just gaining momentum, and I think that's one of the interesting things about what I I, I really give kudos to you three for um, you know getting good speakers in. Right, you, you talk about what the meetings are like. Well. It isn't a four-hour thing where you're just like, it's let's get to the speaker, 
Usually it's a doctor. Last two have been doctors. The next one coming up, like you say, on August twenty first. Uh, Saturday, August twenty first, seven thirty p.m. is is going to be is going to be a lawyer. And so it, it's very structured to focus on certain things to get meaningful information out to people who need it, who want it, who are looking for something that, honestly, the mainstream just isn't going to give you. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you three on is I knew primetime uh, news and Lloyd, no offense, uh, primetime, I just knew they weren't going to bring you guys on and, and, you know, give you a kudos and and talk about your next meeting Sean and everything else. Sean will probably be censored anyhow. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, 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 honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious now that I'm on YouTube's... Uh, watch list. Watch <laughs> list. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I, I really wanted to get you on because... I, I think I was always destined to be censored, really. So. Well, we got a lot of friends and family who would probably like to censor you, Dust. So. True. It's true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I... Um, until you come to the, one of the meetings, you'll probably think, well, I shouldn't say you probably think. I would assume people think, oh, probably, it sounds a little extreme. Like, I don't know, do I really need to go to a meeting? But when you go to it and just understand that, actually, it's just like, it's a really good source of some good information. Meet some people who are struggling with the same bloody thing we're all struggling with and get together and have that sense of community. Like, that's what it's all about. I remember the first meeting I was at, uh, a lady who works with very young children came up to me to voice concerns about everyone wearing masks around very young children because that's when they're learning facial expressions and human interaction. And all these, you know, babies, toddlers, when everyone's masked, they don't get that. And what's that doing to their long-term development? And no one, no one seems to talk about that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is the, what does that do to a child who, you know, will they struggle with, with human interaction or with, with, uh, body language for well, the rest so, of their lives? We're so fo focused on the here and the now yes. and nothing to do with five years, 10 years, 15 Absolutely. years, whatever. 100%. Nobody's worried about that. Everything's yep. worried about tomorrow. Yes. It's a very narrow vision to health because I think health encapsulates, you know, the whole picture. It's not just your physical health. It's your mental, emotional, spiritual. It's all together, right? And we're narrow looking at one virus. Yeah. We're not seeing, you know, we're not talking about or... You know the the long term effects, the the significant long term effects. Well, and that's the beauty of the group is essentially you start talking to different people who bring up different things that you don't even think about. Mm -hmm. You know, like what is going on out there? Like, what are some people seeing? I mean, mm -hmm. the short term effect, even on the Canadian government website uh, listing stati uh, for statistics, says that from January. 2020 to April 2021 they have recognized 5,500 more deaths because of the lockdowns that they are identifying as because of the lockdowns that so, are not uh, from COVID not from COVID from the these lockdowns are, they yeah. are, it's, it's on the Statistic Canada they yeah. are saying that these were deaths related because of the lockdowns, the lockdowns. But even and there was only and this is in the age group of 64 and below so there was only 1380 deaths from COVID in that age group so that's how many they've researched and recognized how many was there actually well, well i tell you what if you're not exercising and you're not socializing like what do you start turning to Mm -hmm. You start turning to what? Probably alcohol and marijuana. Well, and they didn't cigarettes. shut those stores. No, they sure didn't. And so, what do people turn to when they can't go to church or when they can't, uh, you Substances know, socialize? The, 
the uh, to dull the the pain essentially mm -hmm. the mental pain right? and I, you know it, one of the archive episodes i did i sat with a lady who sung in choir and she said she hadn't been singing in choir for i don't know at the time i like this is maybe six months it doesn't matter six months and i said oh, you're not singing why aren't you singing she's like oh well you know they've basically deemed it illegal because you know you, you could spit or whatever and i'm like like that's what we're getting to i'm like the the when when we did the uh, bike for breakfast uh, get together at fourth meridian the live music was so moving that night because it had literally been a year since i'd ever done anything like that it just you could just you could just see it on people mm -hmm. wow. and that is healthy mm -hmm. and when we talk about health being so much more than just this or that it's like you got to you got to focus on what's really happening across the entire spectrum. So, so per, this is where personal choice comes in because everyone has their outlet. Everyone has their yes. outlet. And as soon as you have someone at the top saying, you can't do these 15 things, there's mm -hmm. someone there that that affects that you have no idea it's going to affect because that is their outlet. So Dr. Liebenberg talked about the girl who was 15 who played soccer. Soccer, who and, tried and committing suicide. Tried committing suicide because that was her outlet. I remember talking yeah. to uh, a farmer uh, over on the Alberta side and uh, the uncle, all he lived for was going to watch the grandkids play hockey at the rink. Mm -hmm. And that's what kept him young and moving and active. And they said, because there was no hockey in this last year and a half, he's gone downhill so fast because of that, mm -hmm. because he just has nothing left. Yeah. And, and you look around and, and you go, okay, what is, you know, what, I, you know, what is everyone's outlet? I just, I played hockey for the first time in a year and a half this week. And I, it felt so good to be out playing amongst the guys, the dressing room, you know, the chirping on the ice, all of it, right? Scored goal for shift. Just throw that out there. But <laughs> let's just be honest, like, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> no, the first shift. Yeah. Goal, goalie must have been sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like everyone has their outlet. And as soon as you start taking those outlets away, yeah. that's the problem with, you know, everyone's like, well, this isn't tyranny. No, no, no. Tyranny is someone at the top saying what you can and can't do. And what freedom allows you to do is to find your outlets, your passions, so that it makes life worth living. Well, and for some people, that's work. And when you t shut down businesses and, and unemployment skyrockets, no. a 1% increase in unemployment is a 2% increase in suicides. Yes. I mean, we cannot ignore that. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well... Is there anything else before I let you guys go? I really appreciate you coming in, sitting and, and chit-chatting about, uh, you know, the, the group getting set up and everything else. Is there anything else that's on your mind? I, I see Ken's got his stack of notes. Is, oh. is there any? <laughs> I'm getting old. I don't remember stuff. As well <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the mem I wish, I wish we'd been meeting earlier because I, I have a, a memory. I, if I could take a time machine back to, I was sitting in a meeting. I don't need to get into the personal details of it. But they were talking about, I was so frustrated, but I couldn't, I couldn't articulate why I was frustrated. And it goes back to, um, I don't know why all the adults are so upset about the mass. Kids don't seem to be um, bothered by them, essentially, right? Only adults are. And that moment sticks out to me as like, we need to be better. Like, we're the adults. We need to be better. And I had a hard time articulating that. And the problem was, was the group surrounding said person didn't articulate it either and having these meetings and, and getting to uh, um, 
explore some different conversations, getting to actually talk about things has really uh, firmed my grasp and, and uh, allowed me to dig into these conversations and have more of them so that the next time this opportunity comes, the next time you need to stand up and have a voice, you can. And I think that's a very powerful thing about our, uh, about this group and what it's trying to do. That's the thing about isolation is when you don't have those talks, mm-hmm. you don't actually get your, your thoughts sorted out so that you can speak well mm-hmm. about the topic you're trying to discuss. Because if you never discuss it, you're, it, it, coming, it comes out disjointed. And and you get attacked and you don't know how to defend what you're trying to say because you haven't had those conversations Mm -hmm. yet. Whereas when you actually get in a group and start talking, then, well, someone points out this or that. And then over time, you become more well-spoken about Mm -hmm. that topic and you can relay your ideas better, more effectively. Well, and you open doors. I think, um, and I'll maybe touch on this again quick too, is if there is any students out there, parents of students that are feeling like they're backed into a corner right now because of this decision to reach out to me because we are trying to gather people um, to collectively stand up. So, you know, it opens a doorway to that, right? I don't have all the answers, but I'm I'm going to do whatever do they, I can to protect these kids. How do they get a hold of you, Tara? Um, do you want to give them an email or? Sure. Okay. Sure. If you, if you got. Or they can, they can Facebook friend me or find me in the group is Stand for Freedom and Truth. Um, or Truth and Freedom. What did I call the group? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, hang on. Uh, I will find it. Stand for freedom and truth. Do you have an email or anything if if they're not on Facebook? Yes. Tara in paradise at hotmail.com. Tara, T-A-R-A in paradise at hotmail.com. <laughs> I'm from paradise. Tara in paradise. <laughs> He's grinning. Eh? I am grinning. <laughs> uh, and I do have a final thought if I can share it. Absolutely. Because I do want to encourage people and... You know, it's not always easy putting yourself out there. Um, I read a quote. I One of my heroes is Mother Teresa, and I read this quote, and it says, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I think, honestly, everything we do has a ripple effect. And sometimes we don't take action or stretch ourselves or take risks because we don't think that that one phone call or that one conversation or that one you know, us, our one person can make a difference, but that's exactly how it starts. Every victory is the result of someone, one person taking a single step. And I just think if everybody stood up, this ends, you know, and, and we've heard lawyers talk about this, where it doesn't even have to be all of us. It doesn't even have to be the majority. 10% of people would end this, you know, collectively standing up to tyranny. And so, um, you know, advice that I've listened to during this time, um, you know, aside from praying lots is to build the community to build communities and you know we decided early on that we can't control you know a lot of things but what we can control is what we do in our backyards and at a local level and so I just encourage people to wherever your strength is I mean Sean your strength is doing this and spreading the word this way and I thank you for doing that because this is a powerful way to get you know truth out messages out Um, but I think that you know we all have to listen to that tug of you know where we're led and and act on it because i mean these children they need a voice so you know i'm i've got a quote that sticks with me and it isn't mother Teresa. you know i come from the 70s so my quote's from rush 
<laughs> Here I thought he was going to say Rocky Balboa, but carry and, on. And, and, and it, what were you smoking when you were listening to Rush there, Ken? Well, I don't know. It was a long time ago. But, you know, I don't know why these lyrics were wrote, like, or why Rush wrote them, but they just resonate with me as that they fit. And it's from the song Free Will. And the lyrics go, if you decide not to choose, you still have made a choice. So there's a lot of people who I talk to who, who, who think, like, think like us, but are still willing to sit back and maybe not get involved. And they maybe believe that, you know, well, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna make a decision right now. But the fact is you have decided not to do anything. So for that line, that's what that means. You've decided not to not to do anything at that point and to live with, you know, what's what's happening. And the next line is you can choose from phantom fear and kindness that can kill. So everybody's not evil that's, you know, causing harm to these children. Uh, A lot of people think that they're doing what's best and, and, and they have it in their mind that this is the right thing to do. But the truth is, these reactions and these lockdowns of healthy people and kids and this blanket general uh, response to a pandemic where we were locking down the healthy are killing people. Even if you think that was the, 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 the right thing to do and if, even if you were doing it for the right reason. And then the last line is, I will choose a path that's clear and I will choose free will. So I choose freedom, I choose choice. And I choose free will. And the only way you can choose a path that's clear or find that path that's clear is by being informed about everything. And unfortunately, there's so much censorship out there. But there is so many good doctors like Dr. Leibenberg and the Canadian COVID Care Alliance and all these reputable doctors that are that are well written and published and even have, you know, won Nobel Prizes that are being suppressed. But knowledge is great if you seek it. And if you know everything, you can choose a path that's clear. Dust, any final thoughts? You got a quote? No, I, I don't have a quote. Um, I kind of laughed at Tara said you found your calling and that is talking. So I'll leave, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, when is, one final thought then, and I'm gonna look at Tara, when is the next meeting? One last time. Saturday, August 21st, 7.30 p.m., Kit Scotty Hall. Kit Scotty Hall. Um, people can just show up. They don't have to pay anything. Yeah. Just show up. We take donations for uh, the hall rental and any expenses we and who but. And who is the guest coming for that night? Uh, that's James Kitchen, the lawyer that we've been working with. Constitutional um, lawyer. Yeah. He's, um, he's actively working on stuff like this every single day. Like it's, he's very, very passionate about this and he's passionate about the kids as well and being a voice and standing up. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a good guy and I, he's very, uh, aligned with our views. That's why we're bringing him in. So. Okay. Well, yeah. I appreciate y'all coming in and, and uh, sitting with me and doing this and, uh, well, we'll, we'll see what the next couple months brings for the group and I mean, for society as a whole. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining us today. If you just stumbled on the show, please click subscribe. Then scroll to the bottom and rate and leave a review. I promise 
it helps. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, we will have a new guest sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcast fix. Until next time.